Now, I had been in the spy business for several years now, but nothing I had done previously prepared, prepared me for, for the, the challenge, challenge I was, was about, about to face. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Jones Universe, the podcast that explores the expanded universe of Indiana Jones as we discuss the Young Indy television series, the Further Adventures comic books, the Staff of Kings and Emperors Tomb video games, and so much more. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 56, in which today we're continuing our discussion of the soundtracks for Young Indiana Jones as we take a look at the score for Transylvania 1918, composed by Kurt Sobel, which forms the second half of Masks of Evil. Uh, so today we'll be following along with youngindianajonesmusic.com as we take a look at some of the musical techniques, tones and styles, instrumentation, and some of the advanced orchestral techniques that create this sound of terror in the episode. I will also talk about some background information regarding the score and how the use of motif and theme is quite different than some of the other soundtracks in Young Indie. So without further ado, let's jump into this one, shall we? Yes, we shall. So today we are taking a look at Transylvania 1918. Uh, this is probably one of the most popular um, film scores from the Young Indiana Jones TV series because it is used heavily, uh, a lot of the music is used heavily in the Lego Indiana Jones games and also the Staff of Kings video game. All of it was composed by Kurt Sobel and performed by the Munich Symphony Orchestra, but none of it was actually released on the four volumes of uh, music that was released from the show. It was actually on a separate promotional CD released by Kurt Sobel himself. And from this CD, we have about 20 tracks, around 40-45 minutes of music, but I'm actually curious as to why Kurt Sobel uh, was the composer for this one, because for the other ones, we either had Lawrence Rosenthal or Joel McNeely, but here we have Kurt Sobel. Yeah, well, that's a great question, and a lot of the stuff you mentioned there is kind of interesting, because uh, not only is this score a very popular one, but also there's a lot of cool sort of information in terms of the background info that we'll kind of talk about here. So yeah, so this uh, episode was composed by Kurt Sobel, which um, is interesting because, like you said, the majority of the episodes are by the two primary composers who were originally hired for the show, which were Lawrence Rosenthal and Joel McNeely, and three episodes had three different composers. Uh, we talked about Frederick Talgorn for the Trench of Hell episode, Kurt Sobel for this episode, and then Steve Bramson for Treasure the Peacock's Eye. Uh, now what's interesting is it's not necessarily known as to why these other three composers were hired. Uh, no one really knows, uh, unless of course you like worked on Young Indy or something, uh, no one really knows why these three composers were brought in. Um, so I do have a little bit of a theory on this one, which I'll kind of share as kind of an answer to your question there, Max. Um, so Transylvania 1918, which was the 45-minute half, by the way, we're looking at the music for the second half of Masks of Evil, not the full episode. Um, that was actually the last episode that ever aired on the original run of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Um, it did actually go unaired in the U.S. because they had... Uh, the show had been canceled by the networks at that point, but if you lived in Europe or somewhere else, you would have seen Transylvania air on TV. So 
My guess is, you know, the show was canceled at this point, and Lawrence Rosenthal and Joe McNeely were probably moving on to other projects at this point, and they needed someone to score the episode, and so they hired Kurt Sobel. Um, now, Kurt Sobel's kind of an interesting guy, actually. Um, he actually is not technically a film score composer. Uh, he's actually more famously known as a music editor and songwriter. Uh, he studied music at the University of Michigan and the Berklee College of Music, and he's a really big songwriter. Back in the 70s and 80s, he released some albums. Uh, they're released digitally. You can find them online. And he was a music editor for tons of pretty famous films. If you search him up on IMDb, he's got some great uh, film credits to his name as a music editor. And one of those um, movies that he worked on, actually, was The Miracle Worker, uh, which is one of Lawrence Rosenthal's most famous soundtracks. Uh, so my theory is, potentially, uh, Kurt Sobel, just being the kind of guy he is, a famous music editor, very well known, and also the fact that he worked with Rosenthal Rosenthal on that project uh, for The Miracle Worker might be the reason why he was hired uh, to do this episode. So kind of interesting to think about there. Yes, definitely. I mean, that is, considering he already had ties to Rosenthal, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Lucas was like, oh, you know, we hired Rosenthal. That was great. Why don't we hire this guy? Maybe see what he can, you know, come up with for this, uh, you know, very scary kind of spooky episode that we have here. Right, and that's one thing to mention, too, is not only is Kurt Sobel just a different composer, but that also gives you a brand new style to the music. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, how this really is a lot different from Rosenthal and McNeely and what they were trying to do. And um, so, yeah, so you also mentioned there, Max, um, that uh, most of the music from this episode actually comes from a very rare promotional CD that was released by Kurt Sobel in the 1990s. Uh, so we actually have 20 tracks 45 minutes of music, that is 100% of all of the music from this episode, uh, including the original old indie bookend. So that is a lot of music that we're going to be talking about today. And it was all released on this very rare promotional CD, which you can find usually on the secondary market every now and then, so like eBay or something. Um, but yeah, and, and for kind of people maybe who are hearing about promotional releases for the first time and the fact that this music wasn't released on the first four original volumes, Max, you kind of want to explain what a promotional release is and, and maybe give an example? Okay, so, you know, a promotional release is really kind of something that is tailored to one specific thing. So, in this case, you know, it's tailored, it, it doesn't just have music from, you know, different sections of different episodes. It has it only from Transylvania 1918 and nothing else. So, a good example is, I'm a big fan of Ferris Bueller, and I, so I know you are too, William, and I actually have a... Uh, 45 RPM record uh, that was given out uh, in the movie theaters back when uh, Ferris Bueller was airing uh, and on one side it has Beat City by the Flower Pot Men and this actually plays when Ferris decides he's gonna take uh, Cameron's father's uh, Ferrari for a nice joyride downtown <laughs> uh, but uh, basically unless you own this record you really can't find it anywhere it was not released digitally on iTunes or anything I mean there's a copy of it out there on YouTube but that was most likely a recording of this record because I can't seem to find a record of Beat City ever being released anywhere else and that's also true here for this promotional CD if you look up like uh if you if you buy all four volumes of you know the young Indiana Jones music you're not going to find the young Indy uh music from Transylvania you're only going to find it on this promotional CD uh it's also been uploaded to YouTube so you can also find it there 
Yeah, so that's a really great example of, of promotional releases. And I remember, actually, it was funny because, um, uh, you know, I, I'm also a big fan of Ferris Bueller as well. And I remember that's one of the great movies we used to watch together along with Raiders, of course, and all these classic movies. And yeah, I remember, you know, kind of around the time, you know, I was getting into Young Indie, you had that promotional release from from that Beat City uh, track when, you know, they're driving into Chicago with the Ferrari, which is a great piece of music. And so I think that's a great example of kind of what a promotional release is. So in the case of Young Indy here, we're not exactly sure how this promotional release came about. Uh, it is a legit promotional release. If you ever have seen one, I've seen one on eBay once before. Unfortunately, I couldn't get my hands on it and didn't buy it. Uh, but it has some cool artwork. It'll say promotional release Kurt Sobel uh, on it. And it has all the music 100% officially recorded. And it's kind of just a way to promote your work as a composer, basically. Um, so in the case of Beat City, uh, like you mentioned, Max, it, it's not released digitally anywhere. And that specific song is, it's not known if it was actually created for the movie itself, but it's so specific to the movie that that was their way to kind of promote the band of the Flower Pop Men. Uh, so a similar situation here. So um, by the way, if any of you you know know how uh, the promotional release for Young Indie worked, or you know uh, if you got a copy of it originally in the '90s, we'd be very curious to hear. Definitely um, uh, send us an email on our contact page on our website. We'd be curious to hear if you know any more information about how the promotional release. Uh, came available. So uh, yeah, so in case uh, for the majority of us, we can't get a hand on uh, the promotional release of Transylvania. So luckily for us, uh, Young Indie Score has a copy of this great promotional release and has posted it on his YouTube channel. So all the music that we're going to talk about today is available on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's just some fantastic music. And again, 100% of the music is used here. And now another thing we wanted to talk about here is uh, you'll notice that uh, the, the episode itself actually is about 45 to 50 minutes, a traditional length for the original Young Indie episodes. And the music actually, if you total it all up, actually equals about 43 minutes of music. And so what's crazy about this is this is one of the few episodes that uses a film scoring technique called wall-to-wall -wall music. Uh, if you're a fan of film scores or George Lucas projects, you've probably heard this term before. This basically means that music is played one after the other. So the official tracks, um, when one ends, they just crossfade it into the next one and move on to the next thing. Whereas usually if you were to listen to a soundtrack, um, I I'll use Star Wars because <laughs> that's always what I've been using for these examples. Uh, if, you, if you've been listening to the uh, soundtrack for the sh new show, The Mandalorian, uh, you'll notice that most of those episodes are between 30 to 45 minutes or so, and Ludwig Göransson's score usually ranges from 20 minutes. So the tracks that you actually listen to on Spotify or whatever you listen to it, um, you'll notice that one plays in the episode, there's space, and then the next track will play. Here in the case of Young Indy for this specific episode, the tracks play back to back, one after the other. So there really is barely any space at all, which for film score composers is a very tedious task. I mean, uh, supposedly, according to Joel McNeely, they had about two to three weeks to record the episode and write the music uh, for Young Indy. So you're talking about 45 minutes of music for a very heavy episode. Kurt Sobel, you know, this is one of his only film score credits. He obviously nailed it, did a great job. But it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, some of these reoccurring motifs and themes. And we'll talk about that when we dive into the music today, because it's quite different from a traditional style of film score. And with that said, you know, it really kind of adds a different perspective. Um, so yeah, so without further ado, let's just dive right into the music here, starting off here with Trick or Treat, which is the track from the old indie bookend. Yes, so Trick or Treat, as you said, comes from the George Hall bookend when these kids come 
to uh, his house to trick-or-treat, and George Hall actually tries to scare them. <laughs> um, but it doesn't end up working, and he uh, starts off in this whole big rant when about when, uh, you know, he was... Uh, when he was much younger, obviously in this time period during World War One, how he met Vlad the Impaler, and that's actually what, you know, the whole mass of evil and second part of Transylvania, um, and the whole Transylvania episode is based on. But we start with this big open and this muted trumpet, and what I really love here is they also use these bells for kind of a bit of a suspense building as George Hall is telling this story. Yeah, so the music is really cool here because obviously the old indie bookends aren't part of the DVD show, which is what we've been reviewing. Um, but here, since this was a full release on this Kurt Sobel promotional CD, we actually have the bookend tracks, which is really cool. And yeah, I like what you said there. Kind of we open up with this brass and bell sort of theme that represents this lively story, right? Whenever you go to old indie's house, you're always in for a treat. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. you know, There's always some sort of story that's going on. So almost the fact that it contradicts this scary tone, right? You know, it's just a nice Halloween night these kids go over to old indy's house and they hear this great tale and we hear that with this foreshadowing uh this idea of sort of cognitive function as it's known in film scoring kind of this implicit or explicit meaning with the theme because we hear actually one of the main themes for the episode in masks of evil is hinted here with the violins in this minor key it's really really awesome because it kind of jumps around and we have this really really cool theme that's a lot different from the other tracks when you know India's actually going to the castle, for example, or the briefing assignment, but it does hint at it slightly while also when you hear it, you know when the actual old indie segment transitions. And we'll hear that as well with the last track there. You kind of transitions back into that theme to represent old indie himself. So let's take a listen to Trick or Treat. going to move along to Venice slash Fortune Teller, which is by far a very beautiful track, the most beautiful track from this episode, because uh, contrary to what a lot of the tracks are, which is dark and very eerie in this episode, this one is kind of, you know, beautiful, mellow, and warm. We start off with these beautiful strings and this harp and this low trombone, which transitioned into these rich, trembling violins and harp arpeggios, very legato. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you think about Venice, Italy, and sort of the great scenery that they got from those shots, this music works perfectly. It's such a beautiful theme, which is so interesting because it contrasts the entire point of the episode, right? Because you listen to this and it's like, oh my gosh, it's a beautiful violin theme, 
but it's also in that minor key, it also gives you that scary theme. You know, a lot of people always think, oh, a major key, that's a happy or a triumphal sort of piece. If it's a minor, it's sad or scary. Here you kind of have that juxtaposition where, you know, you have that sort of scary feeling from the minor key, but it's also this beautiful and like you said, legato and rich, you know, uh, violin theme that we have here in this piece. It's really, really beautiful. And, you know, you kind of get that emotive function, right? It's kind of one of those um, pieces that really evokes a certain mood, especially, you know, I love uh, how we have of Vasily narrating, uh, you know, Indy going to Venice and kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen to him with Vlad. And we see Indy walking around with this, you know, grand theme. It, it is kind of a grand theme, I guess you could say. Yes, definitely. And something I wanted to mention is since this is more of a scary-ish, you know, very eerie-esque episode, you know, a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear is scary and uh, in a minor key. But minor key does not always mean scary. As for here, it's a minor key, but it's very beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think kind of going off of that, one of the things that I think is so interesting and profound about this is how different it is from Lawrence Rosenthal and Joel McNeely. And we'll talk about some of these advanced orchestral techniques and really kind of this idea of how can you really envision a certain scene um, with these orchestral techniques? How do you get this sound of terror? or Vlad the Impaler, how do you remember these certain scenes? And so with Venice, I think this is one of those really great themes that really gives you a sense of location and style and time period. And we hear that a lot throughout Young Indy because of the use of locations that's so extensive. So yeah, let's take a listen to this great, beautiful theme of Venice slash fortune teller. of that beautiful theme we transitioned into a very different tone we are we, you know we started off with some beautiful warm mellow music and here it kind of goes down into a very dark tone the strings the low brass the low oboe represents the fortune teller violins are there and kind of a nice mix of suspenseful music yeah, I love the transition here. It comes off from that, you know, that great sort of, you know, uh, grand and magnificent feeling to when Indy sees the fortune teller and the low oboe kind of represents that foreshadowing. And especially towards the end where we have the brass section with that sudden crescendo and that underscore of the death and grim feeling when Indy flips over the card, which I think is a great representation of, you know, kind of thinking about everything that, you know, encompasses this small sort of scene here all in one specific track. And speaking of that, it's worth noting here, by the way, that we've talked a lot about the soundtrack CDs and the suites and, you know, some of the music from Lego Indiana Jones. 
This is the official music. Uh, the track names by Kurt Sobel are official. The timestamps are official. Um, I, you know, I was going through this episode the other day, kind of looking at this, you know, kind of as a cue list perspective and how the music all lines up. If you listen to the uh, promotional CD and the tracks that they have there, they go perfectly in sync with everything in the episode. It goes fully in order. Uh, so it's really cool to have 100% of the music because we can look at it with such a different perspective, especially with this kind of different section here that is kind of part of this grand Venice theme. Yes, definitely. I completely agree. You know, this track in general, you know, it, it goes through so many different types of styles of music. Like before, as you said, rich, beautiful, here kind of dark, and as you'll see in our next uh, section, it's much, much different as well. And I really think that represents everything that happens in this scene very, very well. Let's listen to the second part of Venice Fortune Teller. From the suspense of the fortune teller, we move into Indy going to meet Colonel Waters, which has this trenches of hell sort of type instrumentation here with the snare drums and the percussion that's very reminiscent of kind of wartime. Uh, we have the great violin theme that continues, and I really like the trumpet that's used here because we talked about this, I think, as well in the track uh, Deserters from Tales of Innocence, how that trumpet there kind of represents that sort of classic wartime feel, you know? And I really like that we have that as Indy, you know, is kind of walking uh, to meet uh, the briefing area as he meets Colonel Waters. Yes, I completely agree. You know, whenever you hear the snare, at least in my opinion, especially is very prominent in this episode, that signifies walking or running or just traveling. Because, you know, the snare, it kind of has the beat of, like, your walking, of your footsteps almost, or of, you know, music that you would hear while you're, like, traveling on a bus or something, or, you know, like, that. it's classic movie-style travel music. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's funny that you bring that up because I think that also is kind of implied in the episode because you see those shots of Indy walking. It's not a close-up on his face or anything. You do see those great shots of him walking through that beautiful building in Venice. And so, yeah, I like what you said about that. And, and, and even towards the ending here, I like that we have this small theme here that kind of alludes to the next track, Briefing Assignment, which is kind of really cool how we have this sort of change here as well, and it builds into this new section of motif that we've never heard before, you know? So let's listen to the last section of Venice slash Fortune Teller. off of that beautiful track we move into our next track briefing assignment vlad 
Now, I wanted to mention something. This actually takes place after Indy has talked with Colonel Waters. As Will mentioned in the beginning here, we had wall-to-wall -wall music except for here. Right when Indy is talking to Colonel Waters uh, in his office, there is no music that plays. So this is after that, when Indy and Colonel Waters are actually going to the briefing assignment, which a bunch of old geezers there. <laughs> um, anyway, we start off this beautiful track with kind of what we heard at the end of the last track, with this upbeat snare, the horns, and I also love the very suspenseful cellos and low strings there. And I love the sync points that we have here that sync up perfectly perfectly with Indy and Colonel Waters and their movements in the episode. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, great analysis there. I love what you mentioned, again, about the sync points there, going with the pacing as well as we see Indy and Colonel Waters. And yeah, definitely very important to mention that that scene when Indy talks with Colonel Waters and they have that sort of language competition exchange is one of the very few places and probably the longest sequence in the episode that does not have music. Very interesting that that was kind of the one scene they thought didn't have music. You know, you could have done a little bit of underscoring there, which we hear a lot of underscoring in this entire episode. And it's so interesting to hear kind of all of this music because you can hear sort of these subtle references and the repetition in this episode is so apparent. There's so much of it, which is kind of interesting, but also, you know, it's repetition. So you've already heard a lot of these themes before. So it's interesting how Kurt Sobel decided to use specific themes, the thematic elements that he put together to kind of form this whole score here. And yeah, the low cellos with the suspense, that rapid sound is absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, let's listen to the first section of Briefing Assignment Vlad. Moving into the second part of this track, it's very, very different tone from the upbeat uh, snare drums that we heard in the first part. Here, we have a minor second where the strings are fading in and out, the oboe is there to give suspense, and really, we get this mysterious, suspenseful feeling, and oh, to top it all off, we have these low bass drum hits, which really puts the cherry on top. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And it's interesting to note the interval changes there. A lot of minor seconds are used. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with a minor second, uh, think of Jaws, right? That's what a minor second is. It's just going from one note to the next, just one half step there. We've got a lot of that, which adds that sort of suspense with the strings. And then I like how you said as well, kind of that drum and bassoon. It almost reminds me a little bit of Daredevils. The instrumentation there kind of sounds similar to what Rosenthal was doing there. Um, and again, I like this idea of foreshadowing kind of these scary elements of who Vlad Really is. We haven't seen him yet. In fact, Indy doesn't even know he's going up against Vlad. At this point, it's General Targo, right? And, you know, which is kind of interesting to think about. Yet we have these little bit of, you know, spots that allude to the scary terror that awaits Indy.
And moving off of that very suspenseful, mysterious track, we come into uh, kind of a, we hear that traveling theme that we just heard before. Uh, and this is a, you'll, a theme you'll be hearing constantly throughout the episode whenever they are uh, walking, also known as Romanian travel with the staccato strings and the legato woodwinds and the horns kind of in there, and a gentle snare, which really, you know, again, that snare drum is what signifies travel, and here especially Romanian travel. Yeah, I really like how this sort of last section of briefing assignment here has a little bit of that new motif, or really it's probably a theme for the episode, of this Romanian travel. It's a really, really popular one, um, and I really like the woodwinds with the mix of strings there, and I like how you said it's kind of a gentle theme. It's not the sort of grand Romanian travel that we'll hear kind of in a second here, but I like that suspenseful end kind of alluding to the fact that, okay, now they figured out what this briefing assignment is. They're not really sure what's going on, right? We hear a lot of sort of, you know, there's, there's no full orchestra sound, and then we come into this sort of soft, you know, gradual buildup of the full orchestra again. And, and one thing I wanted to mention just about Kurtzel Bell here is it's very interesting to think about the different types of tracks. We have a lot of subtle instrumental solos here, not a whole lot of full orchestra, you know, desert chase blasting, you know, John Williams type or orchestration, which, you know, is not a bad thing by any means. You know, no one's asking this to be, you know, as good as John Williams necessarily, but I think it's interesting to note the difference where you look at Joel McNeely, he really tried to emulate the style and sound of Williams, which I think is kind of interesting uh, when we listen to this last section of Briefing Assignment Vlad. <laughs> Now we're into Off to Romania, which we just kind of heard a little preview of, but now here's the full track. We start off with this beautiful traveling theme, and I just wanted to mention, this is used heavily in uh, the LEGO Indiana Jones games, as I said before, but this track specifically, this starts off with this beautiful traveling theme with the loud strings, the snare, and the brass, and the motif, again, of briefing assignment that we just heard. Yeah, I love the start of this theme. We have this cello rhythm, which really anchors the track here with a lot of this percussion. I really love the use of the strings. We've got not just violins, violas and cellos in there getting their sort of equal parts here. And then this violin theme with the subtle brass and the sharp accents. It's really, really a cool theme. And you hear it right as Indy, you know, is on the boat and then gets in the truck with Colonel Waters. And you have this kind of cool mix of the legato and staccato kind of melodies here. I like the harmony here. It's kind of cool because the harmony really I think works well with the main theme. I think the, uh, the, the, the instrument that's used most heavily here is clearly the violin, and we see that pretty much throughout the entire episode, whether it's a beautiful theme like, you know, Venice Fortune Teller, or it gets very suspenseful later into some of these other tracks, you know, just doing kind of a minor second like we talked about. And um, this really actually kind of starts this ostinato. Uh, an ostinato is a repeating theme that is heard many times to uh, remind you of a specific certain scene or character, and this would be an example of an ostinato here because we have this sort of reoccurring traveling theme whenever India is traveling, and we hear it a little bit in other sections as well. So with that said, 
Uh, let's listen to Off to Romania. out of that we start off with this beautiful harp transition into these kind of bouncing strings then these horns kind of start playing and then the snare and the repeating end of what I would like to call the Romanian theme but then we change to, to this dark low deep tone very very atonal yeah, I really like the use of atonal music in this episode. Um, atonal music is, um, you know, not sort of, uh, it has that very sort of unsettling feeling. You know, it's not a grand theme. Uh, Marian's theme would be the exact opposite of uh, atonal music. You know, it's a very uh, great theme, but I like how you transition into this sort of suspense. It kind of feels unsettling. You get the chills just listening to it. And you hear that at the end after you come off of this it's almost, I like to think of Off to Romania as kind of, it's so close to like a fanfare or a march, you know, because you, you have that cello rhythm that anchors it there, but it's kind of interesting as you have those bouncing strings with the staccato, and again, the percussion to symbolize the war, the snares, we heard a lot of that in Talgorn's fantastic score, The Trenches of Hell, a personal favorite of mine. So yeah, again, I agree with you there with the minor atonal music at the end, which is really, really cool and adds to the foreshadowing of when Indy meets Dracula himself. And speaking of atonal music, that transitions great into our next track, Meeting Nicholas, which starts off with a very dark tone. But I, first I wanted to mention is a great example of atonal music would be the Well of Souls from Indiana Jones because it's so creepy. And so it, it's, uh, it's even more creepy than some of the tracks in this episode. That's saying something. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point, actually. Well of Souls is a perfect sort of idea of atonal music. Yeah, especially a lot of the instrumentation. We played a brief sample of that uh, in our Star Wars 
Wars episode comparing it to uh, Han Solo Returns at the Court of Jabba the Hutt, and you hear that, yeah, that atonal music, the really sort of advanced orchestral techniques that are used to convey these certain sounds, and that is kind of the style, I think, that Kurt Sobel was really going for, whether that was intentional or not. And and speaking of that, actually, it brings up a really interesting point. I know we've talked about for a lot of these other episodes the heavy use of source music, for example, Scheherazade, Capriccio Espanol, or in this case, I'm wondering if there were temp tracks for this episode, um, because I'm not really sure if, what the influences to Kurt Sobel was, if he just went off and did his own thing. Either way, I think he did a very, very um, creative and inspired, you know, score here for this episode. Yes, he did a phenomenal job. I mean, it would be interesting to see what Joel McNeely or Lawrence Rosenthal would come up with for this. But Oh, definitely. I, I mean, again, I, I think that I can't really imagine anybody else but Kurt Sobel writing the music for this because, you know, we're, that's what we're so used to. And, you know, another thing that I don't know if this defines this episode or Kurt Sobel's music is, again, we have this minor second coming in here and the low tuba notes really bringing that suspense up. Yeah, definitely. And I like the use of the violins in all of these tracks. We have that large interval leap towards the end with a little bit of tremolo and glissando. And we hear a lot of that to kind of represent sort of the screeching terror of, you know, Vlad and Dracula and so on and so forth. And again, I like how the flute kind of raises this, the suspense as we have this minor key. This is the scene in which, you know, Indy and, um, uh, you know, uh, Colonel Waters actually meet Nicholas for the first time, right, in that sort of old section. And you kind of hear as well, you were talking about sort of the atonal music, uh, at the end of Off to Romania, if you listen to the tracks in the episode, you know, kind of following along, you know, with a cue list or so on and so forth, you'll actually notice that they crossfade a lot of the songs because the ending leads directly into the next one. And that happens perfectly with Off to Romania and Meeting Nicholas here. Uh, so yeah, so without further ado, let's listen to Meeting Nicholas. Moving into Climbing Every Mountain, which is personally one of my favorite tracks from this episode, we start off with these uh, staccato cello accents, the brass is there in the background, the light airy violins is what I really love, that really, this also kind of signifies a traveling theme, but without the snares. Yeah, I love this theme so much. It just has that cool sound. You know, you listen to this one, and especially in that scene when they're climbing the mountain, I love it. The sharp accents on the cellos, and again, the change of dynamics here really is what emphasizes those accents there. We've got a lot of quick 
dynamic changes here with the light and airy violins, you know, as they have this sort of fun theme up there. And then again, we've got this idea of, you know, advanced orchestral techniques as we transition into this very sort of legato, you know, sort of section here. And almost uh, what's interesting too as well is we have, you know, a different sort of style. We have a lot of staccato, you know, notes towards the beginning, but then a lot of these, you know, uh, notes that are really stretched a lot more. We've got, you know, some different rhythm changes there as well, which I really like. And uh, this is another track that is used extensively in Lego Indiana Jones. So uh, without further ado, let's listen to Climbing Every Mountain. Our second part of climbing every mountain which is personally my favorite we start with the horn and this is kind of you know upbeat it's ostinato again as we said you will hear that this is very very much like some themes we've heard especially off to romania there's a bit of a motif in there without the snare the strings and i really also love the harp and the bass drum that's in the background especially along with that flute but then towards the end it changes and goes into again to that atonal kind of uh tone yeah, I really like the second section, which is really the part that's heavily used in LEGO Indiana Jones. And you've got that trumpet, which starts out with, again, another minor second, the flute and harp arpeggios that are thrown in there. And it's kind of different how this transitions, actually, from the first sort of light theme that we have to this almost march style with the cello, the violas in there. And again, I really like the scary transitions. It's, it's really, for me, what really makes this score so interesting is those transitions. You go from this great, you know, theme or motif, and then all of a sudden you get some crazy glissando or huge crescendo you know from the trombones or whatever and it completely gives you that unsettling feeling like we've been talking about with the quick dynamic changes and the glissandos there and then again i love how this track really foreshadows indies you know first encounter with Dracula. You know, you really get that sense a lot in this score which i think really adds to kind of the fun elements but also the spooky ones as well. And transitioning into our next track, we have Castle Heights slash Hanging Corpses, uh, which is this new theme as Indy and his fellow uh, 
companions approach the castle. And we have this theme of kind of them approaching the terror of Dracula's haunted castle. And we have a hint at the last track, Climbing Every Mountain, with this really cool rendition. And I love how Kurt Sobel likes to bring different themes and incorporate them in different tracks, because there really isn't a character theme in this episode, uh, and just kind of a combination of various themes from different scenes and kind of giving us a different sense of what we've heard previously and what we might hear later as well. Yes, I really do love that. And I also love kind of the ending here, the atonal ending, where the strings kind of fall down quickly as Indy uh, climbs the wall and uh, just falls onto a wooden board and breaks a bunch of stuff. Classic right. Indy. It uh, brings back memories of him sneaking out to go see Sophie. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I love as well how kind of the music represents that. You can kind of hear almost when Indy falls as he climbs and grapples over that huge castle door. And then we see everyone just find the side door. Um, uh, off to the side and walk right in. So yeah, really kind of listening for specific scenes in certain situations is really fun. And you certainly can hear that in the first section of Castle Heights, Hanging Corpses. Moving into the second half, we have a very different feeling here, almost chilling, when the doctor decides that he's going to tell the tale of Lad when they all see all the hanging corpses all around on this yard. Very chilling. We have this big crescendo, and then these trills as Indy sees all the bodies everywhere, and it's super creepy, super very, very eerie. Yeah, it certainly is very eerie, and I get chills just thinking about this. I mean, this is really one of those music sections that does, like you said, when the doctor is describing the tale of Dracula, and they're like, Vlad? Prince of Transylvania, you know? And they talk about sort of what has happened to all these hanging corpses there. And again, adding to that sort of suspense, the eerie and sort of scary style of the episode is really, really cool. And I think it's reflected so well through the music, you know? Especially all these styles, I think, is really well done because, you know, as much as George Lucas loves so much music, you know, wall-to-wall -wall music, we talked about that, he still, I think, gives us this great sense. And I think for all the composers that he worked with on this show, and including especially, you know, Talgorn, Bramson, and Sobel here, he really enforces this idea of I really want the music to reflect the episode so well and that's so you know communicated so well through all of these different episodes and especially here with Dracula as well.
Lightning is the name of our next track. We start off with a beautiful motif of the Vlad briefing assignment and off to Romania as they're walking through the castle. Very brisk, upbeat, just like those two tracks. And I also love the grace notes and the double stops here. It really builds that tension. Yeah, I love the violin section here. It seems like the first violin had a bit of a solo here with these really cool double stops and grace notes that give you kind of that bouncy feeling that you're hearing from this track. And again, the snare drums and the deep violins are thrown in there with this really upbeat theme that builds tension. You know, I like how this track has a lot of different moving parts to it. And specifically this first section, you know, I like how Indy and, you know, the rest of them are all going through the castle really not knowing what they're going to encounter. And you kind of hear that with this section here. I mean, we talked about sort of maybe the, the con confidence and sort of upbeat scale of off to Romania or briefing assignment. And here you kind of have that in here as well, because the next section kind of transitions into when they see these huge balls of lightning and so forth. Whereas here, they're just kind of going into the castle, not sure what they're going to, you know, see and hear. Um, and I think that that sort of idea of tension is really a great element that's built uh, in this uh, first section of the track, lightning. <laughs> Lightning is a perfect name for this track, as here, when this second half that we're hearing now is playing, we see these big balls of lightning, which is really, you know, as soon as I hear this, I know exactly what scene is happening. The arpeggios, the really fast arpeggios of the strings, building to this one high note, then the fluttering strings, the snares as they're running all around, and they really have a motive function in here. Very, very dramatic. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of emotive function here. It's very dramatic, and you kind of hear that scary feeling. I mean, I can just envision those balls of lightning, you know, all over the place, uh, which is hilarious. And again, the sudden crescendos really add to that. You have these sort of, I like this, you know, transition of measures here where you've got some subtle, you know, you know, piano measures, and then right to fortissimo as they, you know, blast up with the full orchestra sound, giving you some sudden, you know, changes. It's not necessarily graduals, it is sudden. I think that's really important to emphasize. And especially with that cool ending, again, more glissandos giving us sort of that scary and chilling feeling again you know reminding us of all the different things we've seen you know especially coming up here to you know the dripping blood and the ice room and so on and so forth so uh yeah definitely when you listen to this next section envision uh seeing the balls of lightning <laughs>
And as Indy and his fellow companions continue through the castle, we now transition into the next track, Dripping Blood, which is actually used in the Staff of Kings video game. And interestingly, the Staff of Kings video game actually uses an alternate version of this track, which is kind of cool. And you actually hear the alternate version in the episode. It's kind of cool. And, you know, it's interesting because the original track of Dripping Blood, which we will play here, um, has this interesting sort of you know, mix of sounds. I think they did some post-production editing here with the mixing because there's some pizzicato from the violins that kind of comes in and these instruments that convey sound effects. You've got the brass that's thrown in there randomly. Um, but this alternate version that is used in the Staff of Kings game, I think is actually the one that's used in the episode. Uh, the file itself is actually comprised of two tracks. One is also from Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, which we will talk about in uh, the next soundtrack review. Um, but yeah, Max, do you know a little bit about, you know, maybe since you're more the tech nut guy here, uh, how sort of, you know, mixing or post-production works with editing. I mean, would you think it was possible that they could have removed instruments or like an alternate recording as well? So it really depends on what the game people and what even what they had access to, whoever was editing it. If they, Because all the instruments are usually, depending on how many microphones they have, most instrument has their own microphone, and in that case, they have their own track. Now, depending, I don't know if they were recording them to computers. They might have been recording them to tape here. But from what I'm able to tell, if they had access to the to all tracks that were recorded originally, they can remove whatever the hell they want. They could remove it so it's literally just the cellos or just the strings or just even, like, they could even remove it to the one French horn note that's in there or whatever, you know, they, if they really wanted to if they have access to all of that. Now, if they just had access to what we have, like one track, then it makes it a lot harder, especially to edit. But if they were to just combine the two tracks, as in this one and the one from Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, you know, that's not too hard because they can just cut it and kind of splice it together. Now, yes, if they have the access to the individual tracks, yes, they can kind of fade and blend some of them, but it's not 100% necessary. Yeah, well, that's interesting to think about when we talk about the track of Dripping Blood. And if you're interested in listening to the alternate version, uh, you'll find that also on Young Indie Score's channel in his playlist, Kurt Sobel, Transylvania, 1918. And uh, yeah, so that's interesting to think about, Max. Great perspective there in terms of, you know, what they were maybe thinking for the game and sort of also how they used it in the episode. Because I think there definitely was an alternate recording of this track made at some point, uh, and they just chose to use one over the other. And uh, yeah, so speaking of the track itself, we start off with this very quiet and simple violin glissandos. It's very very mellow. We've had these big orchestral, you know, pieces, especially towards the beginning. And now we have a lot of these instruments thrown in there that almost kind of convey sound effects as they see the blood actually dripping from the top there. And then you have that deep and heavy brass that's thrown in there to give you that crescendo and the violin pizzicato sprinkled in as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they really, the music here signifies the chilling realization that they come to when they're in that room and they look up and see blood. You know, it's just so intricate. And that's really what I love about Kurt Sobel's music for this, especially. A lot of his music goes perfectly with what is happening in the scene. So let's listen to Dripping Blood.
moving into death in your pocket, we start off with these very low tubas and low strings as one of Indy's chums, Maria, has been possessed. And then we get the big hit of strings. And also, what I love to throw in there is as these low tubas and strings are coming through, we kind of have a hit of some piano notes that really clash and really give that creepy, eerie death kind of feeling. Yeah, definitely. I really like this track, Death in Your Pocket, and you certainly get that feeling when you're listening to this one. Uh, you've got some interesting instrumentation that, again, adds these sort of advanced orchestral techniques, weird sounds here. I do like the pizzicato on the strings there, which, again, really is kind of fun. It's pretty fast and intricate, too. Kind of, again, going like to the Idle Temple or Well of Souls would be two Raiders comparisons there. And then you move into sort of uh, the tension and sort of dark, eerie sound of this as Maria finally is possessed and says, the actual quote in the title of the track, Death in Your Pocket. So it's really interesting how, you know, this is a lot different. It's kind of similar to Dripping Blood and sort of the subtleties there. Um, but yeah, let's take a listen to the first section of Death in Your Pocket. second part this very dissonance kind of feeling we hear these strings with the accents the violins and they're very beautiful the brass and we hear that ostinato again from the woodwinds that we've heard before and they're running in the castle again that kind of traveling music that we hear yeah, I definitely like kind of this interesting sort of rendition of themes that we've heard. And this is actually when they're running in the castle, but Colonel Waters, you know, decides to get out of here. And, you know, they're running after, you know, Nicholas and everyone else. And you kind of hear that thing with kind of the cool run by the violins. Um, you know, that uh, that great sort of eighth note pattern that they have there. As the woodwinds have that previous theme, like you were mentioning, a little bit of ostinato there. And then that crescendo into kind of that deep ending, which kind of offsets what we hear in the next track as well. So uh, let's listen to the second half of Death in Your Pocket. moving into track number 11, Ice Room, uh, which starts off with these slow violins and communicates the horror of the castle as Indy opens the door and sees a room covered in ice. And I like how the trombones give that sort of clashing sound, and it's almost sad. Again, hearing that subtle sound, and what I think is so interesting about this is we have so much underscoring. And it's probably because, like we mentioned, there's wall-to-wall -wall music and Kurt Sobel could only write so much. And not to say that the music isn't good necessarily, just the simplicity of it is a little bit more evident, especially with a room like this. And you have lots of music, so you do have a little bit, you know, more subtleties there. And then it also kind of reoccurring those main themes as well, which gives you this interesting perspective of the actual ice room itself. 
any other instruments would not really have conveyed the whole creepiness of this. Come on. You know, strings and low, especially low strings like the cello and the upright bass really give that really suspenseful feeling. And with the brass thrown in there, beautiful track. Let's listen to Ice Room. Moving into our next track, Vlad the Impaler. We start off with these harp suspense, the high strings kind of, you know, trembling in there. And then we have a uh, castle motif that's from uh, Castle Heights, which we already heard. And But uh, something I wanted to mention right off the bat, this is a lot less symphonic than the rest of them. A very simple track. Yeah, I completely agree with that, especially when you look at some of these tracks when they're actually in the actual castle itself. They are a lot less symphonic, and I think it's kind of to convey the sneaking element, I guess, of them going through the castle, especially when you get towards the end of the episode, Resurrected, Indie Fights, Vlad, Tower of Tortures, you get back to that classic, you know, full orchestra feel. But here when they're kind of searching in, they still don't know what's going on, kind of adds to the mystery, you know, of these sort of subtle, you know, instrumental solos. And this is right when they meet Vlad, actually, and Indy points the gun at him. And you hear that big reveal when he actually turns around with that great crescendo there, uh, you know, with the brass and strings. So uh, when we take a listen to the next section, listen uh, for the big reveal in Vlad the Impaler. Our next track is certainly interesting. Dinner Anyone is the name of it, and it has a rendition of Venice, Italy on the harpsichord, which I really don't like personally. The rest of the track is fine, but especially this uh, Venice motif, I don't personally like it because I don't think it fits very well with the scene because just the instrument, I guess the instrumentation and the way it's being played doesn't fit with dinner. It should be more eerie than the Venice Italy theme because the Venice Italy theme, as we mentioned before, is so beautiful and here it does not fit well at all. Interesting to think about the juxtaposition here. You mentioned we have this grand, beautiful Venice theme that has this really cool rendition, actually, uh, with this quartet of vi two violins, 
viola, cello, and then a little bit of a harpsichord thrown in there. Uh, I play the cello myself, and I've always wanted to make an arrangement for this for the string quartet that I'm a part of, uh, just because it sounds so cool. But you mentioned there, when you think about it in context, it's this gruesome dinner scene, and it just kind of makes you cringe when you hear that, you know, that beautiful Venice theme, I think is kind of what you were getting at. So I definitely agree. I mean, it's definitely a great example of a counterpoint, which in film scoring is kind of that exact idea. You have sort of a juxtaposition of the music, which doesn't necessarily reflect the actual dinner itself. Um, but yeah, this is certainly a really cool rendition. Some of you guys may like it, some of you uh, may not. It's really kind of a cool difference. Uh, it has that minuet style. It's in three, four times, so you hear that. Um, kind of that one, two, three, one, two, three, to kind of give you that sort of feel of, you know, the minuet kind of almost acting as source music as kind of like this dinner background, which is kind of cool. So uh, yeah, definitely a listen for the rendition of the Venice theme in uh, the first section here of Dinner, Anyone. And our next track is Lull Them to Sleep, where we start off with these big accent hits and the cymbals. I really love the cymbals inclusion in here. Really adds the depth and the big strings. But actually, what happens in this scene is very interesting when we find out the doctor is actually a double agent. Yeah, this is a very different track than the rest of it. We have these kind of eerie and suspenseful bell and strings as we find out that the doctor is in fact a double agent and you've got a little bit of a solo cello there as well which I really like it's so different it's during this scene of course uh, when uh, Francois is like oh you know he recognizes the doctor and Indy uh, obviously gets to the bottom of that real quick and uh, we find out he's a double agent and you have this really cool idea as then Vlad decides to lull them to sleep and take them up to the tower itself so definitely listen to the uh, transition in terms of a different style of music that's being used here in uh, the first section of Lull Them to Sleep.
And our next track is Tower of Tortures. After Vlad has lulled them to sleep, he takes them up to the tower where he's going to torture and do bad things to them. But this track is also used in the Lego Indiana Jones game too. And it starts off with a snare walking rapid face and a kind of a familiar theme we hear in there. Yeah, and I kind of like the walking pace, like you just mentioned there, this rapid sound as he's taking them up to the towers. You've got, again, some more runs and eighth notes on the violins with some snares. And I like how it's a new theme. You know, it's different. Uh, we hear it again reoccurring later towards the end of the episode. But I really, really enjoy sort of this idea of taking them to the tower. Obviously, we see those great shots going up the stairs. And I like as well how the, uh, the actual music track moves up with uh, them actually going up to the tower. It's kind of cool just musically how that works. So yeah, this is also used, like you mentioned, in the Lego Indiana Jones game, another popular one people probably uh, recognize pretty quickly. So let's take a listen to Towers of Torture. Transitioning into our next track, we have Bloodletting slash Stabbed in the Back. And this kind of represents the suspense of Indy being very scared. As we see Nicholas uh, here in this scene with uh, uh, Vlad, and there's this quick suspense and rendition of the Tower of Tortures theme that we just heard. And again, the use of glissandos on the strings is very apparent, but I also like how we have this first, you know, big trumpet uh, sort of motif at the end that kind of is very exhilarating as we see Indy sort of so frightened by what he has just witnessed. Yes, he's very frightened where we have these big fortissimo brass and strings, the bass drum, and we have a, you know, again, a motif of Castle Heights and really kind of adds to all the creepiness that is coming around and really, you know, again, those trembling strings, but also I love the ending of this with the big brass kind of signifying death of, you know, Vlad is being stabbed in the back. He must be dead. Yeah, definitely. And I love as well how we have this sort of dark, dark feel, especially because you can really envision that scene. And, and speaking of this, I wanted to bring up an interesting point. One of the things that I noticed for this score in its entirety is a lack of a leitmotif. For those of you maybe who don't know what that is, a leitmotif is a um, motif for a specific reoccurring character. Uh, so that would be Marion's theme would be a great example of that because you hear it on the uh, Thought for Marion slash to Nepal track, uh, the Flight to Cairo track. You know, you hear that reoccurring theme when you associate, you know, that musical cue with the character. And for me, there's a lot of great themes here, but I don't really think that there's a theme for Vlad himself. And Indy obviously has the young Indy theme, but it's not used here since Lawrence Rosenthal didn't compose it. And really the other characters don't get a theme. I mean, usually for Indy's love interests, we usually get a theme for them as well. What are your thoughts on sort of the lack of leitmotif here? 
I don't know if there's a lack or not. It kind of is hard to tell because, you know, I like the next track and I think that really signifies Vlad, but I also have Off to Romania and Climbing Every Mountain, which really kind of sounds very similar to our next track. So I don't know if there's a lack of leitmotif. I kind of don't, I don't know if there's a Vlad theme. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's hard to tell because there's no, you know, track that says Vlad's theme necessarily and the next track is for the chase sequence, but it's kind of interesting and definitely take that into consideration when you listen to the next section of Bloodletting slash Stabbed in the Back. And moving into our next track, Resurrected slash Indie Fights Vlad, which has got to be one of my favorite tracks from this episode by far. The strings start by going up and down. Uh, it sounds very similar to Off to Romania. I really love the violins. We hear, the again, a motif of some of the other tracks we've heard. Uh, indie, it, this doesn't really, you know, signify chasing, though. It more signifies Indy is fighting with Vlad more than anything else. And then I love the crescendo into the big hits that are in between there and do you think this is Vlad's theme or not? Yeah well that's a great question and you know I think the lack of leitmotif is so apparent because of the fact that there's no specific theme associated with Vlad. Every time we see Vlad in this episode there's always a different track and we just talked about it with you know Bloodletting and the other tracks that came before it so while I would say that you could consider this track to be Vlad's theme per se I'm not sure if I'm 100% sold on it. And you know, it's interesting because there really aren't character themes. And that's usually when you're a film score composer, you start from that. And instead, Kurt Sobel decided to do specific things for scenes or environments or specific situations and make that sort of the reoccurring theme. And in a sense, I feel like there's almost a theme for the castle itself more than there is Vlad. And, you know, I kind of like what you were mentioning there. This doesn't feel like chase music either, which might also attribute to the fact that is this really Vlad's theme? Is it not? I think you could go both ways for it, but it's definitely a very popular track. One of the, I think, uh, most popular tracks in all of Young Indie, I think. You know, there's those awesome violin and cello parts. The rhythms are really, really fun. Again, the violins always get these cool themes, and I really like, like you were saying, how it really kind of is a rendition of the first violin theme that you heard with Off to Romania. You know, he really kind of does these very subtle, yet also very, you know, intricate changes to make the sound of the actual theme a lot different, and it's really fun to listen to. So let's take a listen to Resurrected slash Indie Fights Vlad. Thank you. 
And the next section of this track really changes the structure a lot as we have this kind of bridge section here uh, with these woodwind shrills and it moves up a half step. As we keep going, we see the violins going up and up and up and we have this grand ending with the blaring brass and some really awesome sync points as well as we see that fight on that great bridge with Vlad and Indy himself. Yeah, this really more to me signifies chase music than the first half of this did because, you know, we have those hitting strings whenever Indy and him are fighting and those woodwind shrills really adds to the depth. Again, as you said, we're moving more back into the full orchestra types of music and that is no exception here. We're just really a big full orchestra here. With that, we transition into the last three tracks of the episode, the first of which is called Four Roads Meet. And it's actually about 35 seconds, a really short one, and it's really cool because it's a subtle transition and actually a huge throwback to an earlier theme. Uh, you still have the small violin section here going on that minor second, which that sharp sound, and then the gradual brass, and I love the chords that the uh, trombones really form there along with the trumpets as well. And we do kind of have this idea of almost an instrumental ostinato. We've heard this sort of same style before. We've heard these same violins, sort of mini themes, I guess, these motifs, and it all kind of comes together for this interesting 30-second track that's played when they actually get to the Four Roads. Yes, it is very interesting. I mean, there's not a lot here. When we talked about the full orchestra, that's not the case here because we just have we just have a few uh, sharp strings uh, and it's very distinct sounding. I mean, you know, when I hear this, I know that Vlad is being taken to the four roads. You can't think of anything else because it's so distinct and uh, very grim and very quiet. So let's listen to Four Roads Meet. With that, we'll move into the next track here, Forest Reckoning, which is also a very short 30-second sample, which kind of uh, has this idea that Vlad has become the spirit. Uh, we see this at the end of the episode, and we have a rendition of Tower of Tortures, a really, really cool track here. I like the short sort of theme that's here. Very familiar. Again, that full sound kind of combination of the orchestra here, and some really, really cool themes that we've heard before, but kind of in a different scenario as well. Yes, definitely. I mean, there is a lot of motifs. There's a motif of dripping blood, tower of tortures, and climbing every mountain in here because 
Forced Reckoning really, you know, signifies that Vlad is on the end of his life, you know, he's not going to survive much longer, uh, the strings are climbing, and something I wanted to mention is, as we've seen before, uh, you know, he, uh, Kurt Sobel reused a lot of music throughout this episode, but for this, he just wrote a 30 second track that sounds a lot like the other tracks, like, why didn't he reuse any of it? He has so much music, I'm not sure why he didn't reuse anything. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about it, because if you go back in the episode, it is played in its 30-second format. Uh, you know, it's not sort of some weird outtake or alternate recording. Uh, it actually does play in that situation, and, you know, those are another example of the pauses in the wall-to-wall -wall music in this episode, because there's two short pauses. That's why the tracks are so short themselves. Uh, so yeah, it's really interesting to listen to, and uh, definitely listen for those familiar themes in the track of Forest Reckoning. And moving into our final track for today, I'd stake his life on it, slash Halloween, we start off with these beautiful shrilling strings, and it sounds very atonal. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. This definitely starts off with this aggressive beginning with this cool sound, you know, and the brass section is really heavily used here, even more than the strings. And we hear that with this slow fade and this really cool, again, sort of sharp ending, a little bit of dissonance and that atonal music there, which really, again, gives you that unsettling feeling. You know, I really cringe when I listen to this part because you really can envision Vlad the Impaler coming alive again when they put the stake in his heart. And it's just straight up creepy. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's 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 interesting because they really, I think, use that music in such a theatrical way here, where you really envision that ending, and it's really kind of interesting to listen to. So definitely see if you can envision that last scene in the first section of I'd Stake His Life On It. And the second section of this track takes a very interesting turn as we have this solo trumpet that kind of communicates the war and sadness as Indian Maria head back to the camp that they saw earlier and they see that it has been unfortunately wiped out. And it's a very, very grim and sad ending here as we see that with this slight hint at the Vlad musical cue to signify what he has done to everything that has happened here. And I really enjoy that we have some different instrumentation here kind of conveying this war and sadness. And then we have the violins and the harp here. And then of course the very interesting transition that's very obvious that we've moved back in to the bookend. Yes, the everybody is dead. It was very melancholy. And we transition back into the bookend theme that we heard at the very beginning here. Very beautiful, but then we kind of end with that with this kind of it's not a fanfare finish, but just this kind of just nice note that really kind of would finish off the episode. 
Yeah, definitely. And I love how you transition to the bookend. And again, you have the bookend motif for old indie because you hear that lively and happy brass and bell sort of, you know, uh, section there. And then you have a little bit of the trumpet there as we have a nice cadence to end off that sort of finality of this track here to signify the end of the episode ends on that great G. And wow, this is a great way to end off uh, old indie's story that he's telling all these kids, of course. So uh, without further ado, let's listen to the last section of I'd Stake His Life on It, Halloween. That concludes today's score review for Kurt Sobel's chilling score to Transylvania 1918, a fantastic score that is quite different than the rest of the soundtracks to Young Indiana Jones and certainly gives us a different perspective and style on the music of Young Indy. So with that said, Max, uh, let's talk about our overall thoughts on the score and some of our favorite tracks from this one. Oh, okay. To start off, I'm going to list my favorite tracks. My first one... Off to Raymania. I mean, you all saw it coming. Also, climbing every mountain. And I actually have four. So, my third one is Resurrected Indie Fights Vlad. That has been a favorite of mine ever since I heard it. But also, Forest Reckoning. Now, personally, I like all of these tracks because they tie in really well together. To me, all those tracks together signify Vlad's theme. Even though there is a specific track named Vlad the Impaler... Which, you know, you think that would be his theme, but no. These are really what signify Vlad the Impaler's theme to me. What about you? Yeah, those are some great points, and I would agree with you as well. I think my three favorite tracks have to be some of the ones from the beginning of the episode, which I tend to gravitate towards a little bit more. Uh, Venice slash Fortune Teller might be one of Ooh. my favorite tracks in all of Young Indy, adding to the pile there with Final Showdown <laughs> and Dogfight with the Red Baron, two of my other great favorites from the entire show. Uh, add that onto that with Off to Romania and the amazing uh, first section, love it, of Climbing Every Mountain, a personal favorite of mine as well. I also really find the rendition of uh, Venice slash Fortune Teller in Dinner Anyone to be really appealing and cool. And I would agree with you. I think what's so profound about looking at this music is... First of all, we have all the music for this episode. 100% of the score is available on that rare promotional release, and so it gives us a better idea of Kurtzel Bell's process, what he did to compose the music. And seeing as though all the tracks are here in chronological order, you can really compare that to the episode and say, here's what he was going for. Here was his style. What was his compositional technique for full orchestras, for giving us these atonal music sounds to represent the horror and terror of Vlad the Impaler. And there's so much I really like about it. Again, the different use of motifs and themes, the wall-to-wall -wall music. I just think there's a lot here that really adds for a totally different experience. We say this every week, but I think it bears repeating. 
every single soundtrack goes with the different style of every episode, and that is certainly no exception for Sobel's fantastic score to Transylvania. How about the fact that this guy is actually a music editor and songwriter and actually pulled off a fantastic score for this episode? Uh, I think it was just a well-done job all around and really kind of fun and interesting to listen to this. Even though this episode might not be a personal favorite of mine, the music is fascinating. Agreed. I mean, I like all the tracks in this episode. There's not one single one that I don't like. Personally, I think Kurt Sobel could not have done a better job. Nobody could have. Even John Williams. That is saying something. Especially considering this is Indiana Jones. And y'all know how I like my Indiana Jones music. Wow, you've made a little bit of a bold statement there. John <laughs> Williams couldn't do a better job. Uh-oh, you might have started some controversy there with yeah. me and some other folks listening here. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think it just, I like how as well, you know, we as well, you know, kind of one of the things that's so interesting about this is, you know, Kurt Sobel himself as a composer and kind of, I'm just so curious as to like, what was his thought process behind this? And like, you know, the kind of symbolism of sort of the music with Dracula, I think it's really, really fun to, to think about as well. So yeah, that about concludes our score review for Transylvania. We hope so many of you enjoyed this, whether you're a big fan of the Young Eddie soundtracks or maybe you've just recognized the music from one of the video games. Hopefully you learned a lot. Uh, as always, check out youngindianajonesmusic.com and to listen to all of this great music from the Rare Promotional CD, check out Young Indie Score's channel to listen to all of the great music from this episode. So that about concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us and remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, be sure to check out our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so, so long, long, Dr. Dr. Jones. Jones.